on the back of one of the doors in Ho and Laura Jane's house in Sendai, I, I found this. It's actually on the back of the toilet door, but that's irrelevant. Chil- children, it says, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And this kind of takes us back to where we left off three weeks ago at the end of Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, can I invite you to turn to the beginning of chapter 6? It's our final chapter. For those who were here three weeks ago, you'll remember that we were thinking about what was involved in being a Christian wife and being a Christian husband. And so words and ideas like submission and reverence and love and commitment were talked about in some detail. Today, we're going to move on to what's involved in being a Christian kid and also what's involved in being a Christian parent and particularly a dad. Uh, But before we we read, let, let me just set this in context. This entire letter was written to a church and to the believers in the city of Ephesus. And in part one, chapters one to three, Paul kind of clarifies and affirms their new and true identity. And you'll remember, it's all because of Jesus, and it's all because the amazing grace of God has been lavished on them and on us. And so they are saints. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are works of art. We are seated with Christ. We're raised up with Christ. And that's all in chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then in part 2, chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul then moves on to explain what is involved and what does it look like to live out your true identity. He tells us, he urges Christians, listen, here's what I want you to do. In light of who you are, in light of Jesus, in light of the lavish grace of God that has been poured out on you, here's what I want you to do. I urge you, live a life worthy of this. Live a life worthy of your gospel calling. And then he goes on to explain that. That's chapter 4, verse 1, that phrase. And then he goes on in the rest of chapter 4, 5, and 6 to explain how to do that. What it means. And he does that in some detail. And so he tells us what you should wear. He also tells us what you shouldn't wear. What you should take off. What you should put on. What you should avoid. What you should pursue. And he also tells us how to live this life in different contexts and social situations. And so in a sense, the second half of Ephesians is all about discipleship, although you could argue the first half is as well. It's all about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, a pupil, a learner, an apprentice. I was talking to someone on Thursday night about the fact that when it comes to church, it really is all about and should be all about discipleship. And do you know why that is? The very last thing that Jesus said to his church before he returned to be with his father and start preparing the place for us was, therefore, go, go. This is what I want you to do. Go and make disciples. That's our mandate. That's our commission. That's our responsibility. Simple. And if you want to know what they, these disciples, look like, if you want to know how you're doing in terms of making disciples, then here's what Jesus says. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded. Where do we find everything that Jesus has commanded? It's all in here. It's all in scripture. It's all contained within the gospels as we listen to the exact words and teaching of Jesus and the implications 
of the teaching of Jesus are then further explained and laid out in the rest of the New Testament, including Paul's letters, Peter's, John's, and also including in Ephesians. And so as we come to the second half of Ephesians, Paul is setting out what it means to be a disciple in the home. It's all about discipleship. And so Paul is in here, in light of who you are, in light of your true ID, in light of you being a follower of Jesus and belonging to God, here's how I want you to live this out in the home. And so Paul's writing to a diverse group of people who have gathered together in this church. But one of the practical questions to address is this. Well, what, what does it look like for me to be a disciple of Jesus in my house? How does the fact that I am a Christian influence and transform the way I conduct my day-to-day life with my family? How should I live a life worthy of my calling in a domestic context? Because you see, homes are every bit as much a place of worship as a church. And so with that kind of perspective in mind, let's stand together for the public reading of God's word. This is Ephesians chapter 6. I was aware that this morning you're going to have to listen to my voice a lot. I'm sorry about that because I had to do that report. And so we're just going to look at the first four verses, okay? First four verses of Ephesians chapter 6. And this is what what they say. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the instruction and admonition of the Lord. Grab a seat. And so Paul starts by addressing children. And I know what some of you are thinking, I wish my son or daughter were in here this morning to hear this, right? But they're not, okay? But household codes, they were common in this first culture. But what's fascinating and what's countercultural about this code that we find in Ephesians 6 and Paul's code is that it addresses all parties. And so it addresses wives and husbands, it addresses children and parents, it addresses slaves and masters. And the fact that it addresses wives first and children first and slaves first was even more out of the ordinary. So here at the beginning of chapter six, Paul speaks to kids before he speaks to parents or before he he speaks to fathers. And he simply encourages and he instructs them to do two things. He says, listen, I want you to obey your parents and I want you to honor your mom and dad. Honor your father and your mother. Now, this is written to kids who still live at home. Although the second part, the honor bit, is probably a lifelong instruction, and we'll come back to that. And note, Paul is speaking, and that is so important, Paul is speaking directly to the kids in this church. Kids need to hear this for themselves, not just from their parents. So it mightn't be that wise to jump in the car, grab a seat around the table, and immediately offload everything you've just heard this morning in church. Kids need to hear this for themselves. Paul is addressing Christian kids in the church. And he doesn't just tell them to obey and honor. He explains why they should 
And so he offers a couple of motives and reasons, spiritual motives. So this should never come across as, well, because I said so, or even because the Bible says so. Kids need to get why this matters as Christian kids. And so when it comes to obeying parents, the first motive is this. Look at it. Verse 1. It's because you belong to Jesus. Obey your parents in the Lord is maybe the phrase in some of your translation. If you look at the New Living Translation, it actually says this. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the God. You see, this has got to be rooted in a respect for Jesus. Like, we've got to get, this has got to be rooted in a respect for Jesus. And so what Paul is saying is, listen, Christian kids, as young disciples, because this is what it's all about, making disciples, as young disciples of Jesus, obedience to your parents is part of what it means to follow Jesus. And I know we keep coming back to this time and time again. I mentioned it three weeks ago as we looked at instructions to wives and husbands. But you know something? It is all about Jesus. So remember, wives, submit to your husbands. That's not where it ends. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Or even before that, verse 21 of chapter 5, submit to one another, not full stop, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Husbands, Love your wives, not full stop. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. And here he says, kids, obey your parents, not full stop. Because you belong to Jesus. If Jesus is not at the heart of this, if Jesus is not front and center, this isn't going to carry a lot of weight. The second motivation, so the first motivation is, listen, obey your mom and dad. Why? Because you belong to Jesus as part of your discipleship. Kids, you need to hear this. The second motivation follows quickly on, kids, obey your parents because it's the right thing to do as followers of Jesus. End of verse 1. You know, when a kid is told to clear the table or tidy their room, this isn't simply because the parent knows best. They often don't, speaking personally. Nor is it because a cleared table or a clean room is morally superior. It isn't. Kids somehow need to understand that obeying parents is right because it's an expression of following Jesus. It's an opportunity to obey Jesus. Now, that does not mean parents could and ever should play that card. Okay? You know, don't do it for me. Do it for Jesus. That would be crass, right? Just don't go there. Or, I don't mind if you don't do it, but I know someone who does mind. Like, <laughs> let, just, just don't do it. Just don't do there. Paul's about to speak to parents about the danger of provoking your kids. That's one way you can easily provoke your kids. No, kids need to see the bigger picture. Kids need to see the bigger picture. Of course, Christian parents have a role to play in helping them see the bigger picture. And we'll come back to that. But Paul is writing directly to children and saying, listen, obey your parents. Why? Because you belong to Jesus. And it's the right thing to do as a follower of Jesus. Let's move on. Second calling to honor their mom and dad. 
Now, for younger kids still living under the roof, to honor clearly means to obey the rules and the instructions or whatever. But for older kids, those who have left home are now adults themselves. Honor is still important. It's still essential. We must, we should always respect our parents. That doesn't, that doesn't end whenever you move out of the house. We must always respect our parents. And so amongst other things that will involve, for example, willingness to take care of them in their old age. And again, Paul doesn't just say, listen, kids, I want you to honor your mother and father end off. He provides a motive. This instruction, I know, is an old one. It's part of the Decalogue. It's the fifth of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. But it's a unique one. And the reason it's a unique one is because it's the first and maybe the only one that comes with a promise. Which Paul repeats here in Ephesians 6 as he quotes the Deuteronomy 5 version as opposed to the Exodus 20 version. And what does it say in the, there? He says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. So that it may go well with you and enjoy long. I reckon that's pretty highly motivating. Honor your parents and it will lead to your well-being and a decent innings. Brilliant. Honor your parents and it will lead to your well-being and a long life. And those I reckon, and some people try to spiritualize this and say the long, the long life, that's an eternal perspective. It's not. It says there a long life on the earth. So honor your parents. Lead to your well-being. Lead to a long life on earth. Now, just like any biblical proverb this has got to be understood as a general pattern. You cannot apply this in a meticulous way to every single case. There are exceptions to the rule, I know that, but the point is this. Respecting your parents, respecting their wisdom, heeding their advice, caring for them, helping them, accommodating them, that will enhance your life. Says Paul, there's personal payoff, if you like. And so Christian kids, sons and daughters, obey your parents and honor them. Why? Because that's what it looks like to live a life worthy of your calling. Paul then moves on to dads. Now, I know I could go into this in lots more detail. I probably should, but let, let's keep going. Paul moves on to dads. Now, it is possible for fathers in this verse to be understood in a generic sense with a reference to both parents. But actually, let's, let's get real here for a minute. It is dads that Paul is specifically talking to. Christian dads. And he offers two explicit instructions. He says, listen, don't exacerbate or exasperate your kids. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't do their head in. Don't send them off in one. And bring them up in the instruction and admonition of the Lord. Now, I want to take those in turn. You see, for many dads, the first one seems a little odd, doesn't it? Kind of takes you by surprise, I reckon, because surely kids have far more potential to provoke their dads to anger than the other way around. Is that not right? Whenever kids are disobedient and rebellious, that's when an angry reaction at home is far more likely. That, that's what pushes our buttons as dads. Whenever kids wind us up, that's what risks an outburst in the home or causes us to lash out, especially after a busy day or 
whenever we're trying to do that thing or watch that match. Not anymore, my girls. It would make far more sense. Surely it would make far more sense, Paul, God, Bible, to tell kids not to provoke their dads. But it doesn't. It says what it says. And therefore, as Christian dads, this verse tells us not to exasperate our kids, which means it effectively rules out reactionary flare-ups, inappropriate teasing, overly harsh words, sarcasm, nagging, demeaning comments, unreasonable demands, and anything else that can be perceived as provocative rules it all out. You see, dads, if we are going to live this life, if we're going to live in a manner worthy of our gospel calling to live out our true ID, we need to be so careful how we speak to and how we deal with our kids. And do you know why? Well, Paul writing elsewhere about this very same issue as he kind of explores it a bit further in Colossians 3, he says this, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And this echoes that old advice, taming the will without crushing the spirit. And dads need to be so aware of the power of their words and their actions and their immediate and long-term effect on their kids. Paul says here, dads, here's my advice to you. Don't provoke your kids to anger. Be careful how you speak to them. Be careful what you say to them. Be careful that you don't knock them down, tear them down. Make sure you're building them up. Make sure you're encouraging them. Make sure they know you're for you. Don't exasperate your kids. And then secondly, he says, but you need to bring them up in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. And this this is our responsibility, dads. And I want to break this down because it says we need to bring our kids up. And and what that implies and what that reveals is a long-term commitment. This is about raising kids over years, bringing them up, nurturing, nourishing them over time, helping them to mature, helping them to maturity. And a critical part of that God-given responsibility involves training and instructing them in the ways of of the Lord. Our kids' spiritual development is a core job. It is a core role of Christian dads. And I know that's scary. But that is what it means for dads to live a life worthy of their calling. If you set this in context, it's my responsibility. And there are two dimensions, this instruction and admonition. Instruction, or or sometimes translated as training, it's about educating our kids. It's about informing them. It's about tutoring them. And although this idea includes discipline, corrective discipline, I know that here in this Ephesians 6 passage, the term is used more in the sense of the entire spiritual education of your child. And notice this is not just, I don't want you to do this, about the Lord. It is of the Lord. Or it comes from the Lord, as how in most translations reads. So this isn't about filling our kids' heads with knowledge about the Lord. It's about passing on the teaching, the instructions, the values, the commands that come from Him. 
And we as dads do that in our words and we do that in our deeds. We do that in what we say, we do that in how we live. Christian dads have a massive responsibility and role to play in the spiritual formation of their children. And the second dimension of this is, is admonition, which is, which is a little more narrowly focused than instruction, and it refers to verbal counsel. And this is about challenging, and this is about warning, and this is about reminding, and this is about redirecting, and this is about rebuking, and this is about correcting. But back to the first point, we've got to do it in a way that does not provoke our kids to anger. But what exactly does that look like in day-to-day family life? Well, I don't think I can stand up here and be specific or prescriptive. For different families, for different dads, this will look differently. And it will obviously be different depending on age and stage of your kids. So it may mean praying with them at bedtime. It may mean reading to them and with them. It may mean saying grace together, family devotions, etc., whatever it is. But however it looks, and whatever age our kids are, the one thing we have to say, and I say with confidence, is this. It needs to be intentional needs to be intentional. We need to take this on board and do it. And so the question I have this morning is this, dads, what are you intentionally doing to bring your kids up in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord? What are you doing? And I know that kind of question sends people on a guilt trip. It's absolutely not my desire, purpose, or objective. And I don't stand up here as someone who had or has this sorted in any shape or form. In fact, I'll be really honest, I feel pretty ropey about a lot of this most of the time. And that is partly because, and I'm just being honest with you, partly because having a dad as a pastor has always been something that's weighed heavy on me. Got to work out what does it mean for me to be me and to be a child of God at home and with my kids rather than a pastor. But although I've said I cannot be specific and prescriptive, I do want to take this opportunity to kind of mention something that provides a natural intentionality. So as dads, we've got to work this out. We've got to live this out. We've got to do what we we do within our family situations. But here is something that provides a natural intentionality. Something that offers all Christian dads here, particularly with kids of junior church age, a brilliant way to talk about and discuss Christian faith in a reasonably unforced way. And that is via the 252 material that we use here at Windsor every single Sunday. And I do want to share what this provides for all parents, and particularly for dads coming out of the back of the teaching here in Ephesians 6. Mark and the team in junior church, emphasize the importance of partnership with parents from the word go. Because they believe, and we believe, that what happens at home is far more important than what happens in church. And there's two main reasons for that. And one is that parents are better positioned. And secondly, parents have more time with their kids than a church does. And I know Mark fires the statistic about that that as a church we have, in terms of junior church, about 40 hours a year with your kids. Parents, how many hours do we have? And we recognize, but the parents are busy, and, and, and so we want to provide resources, and we want to provide lots of resources that tie in with what our kids are doing and what they're looking at at junior church. And so in WBC News, and I'm not sure if it's out today, but in WBC News, every single month is this page. 
there's an overview of the month that tells all of us, and it's important to tell all of us, but specifically tells parents what's happening in junior church. It tells us the themes. It tells us the biblical text they're looking at. It tells us the bottom lines. And then there is a parent queue monthly email that goes out to all parents with queue cards that, in, that includes prompts for parents at key times throughout the day, morning time, drive time, meal time, bed time. There's also four devotions there for use every week with your kids based around the month's theme. And finally, there's now the Parent Q app, which is free and makes all the information you need available to you on your phone. And the app also includes blog posts and helpful videos depending on your kid's age and stage. But the point is this, all of this is there, all of this is provided, all of this is to help parents play their part in instructing and admonishing their kids from the Lord. And so as we respond this morning to this teaching in Ephesians 6, particularly verse 4, let me suggest one way possibly for some of us to be more intentional about living a life worthy of our calling as a dad is by making some time this week to use this resource, some of the resources, with your kids. Because if nothing else, it'll just provide a springboard or a launch pad. Okay, it's nearly quarter two. You have listened to my voice for far too long. And I know there may be lots of questions coming out of what I've shared this morning. And please do talk to me. Please do fire me questions. But as I close, here's all I want to say. Kids, and I know they're not here this morning. Some are. Kids, obey and honor your parents. Why? Because it's part of your discipleship. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And parents, dads, don't provoke your kids. Encourage them. And input into their spiritual growth and understanding. Instruct, admonish, train. Because that is what it means for you to live a life worthy of your gospel calling. Let me pray. And if, while I pray, the guys can come up. We're going we're gonna to close in a second with a song, I will worship with all of my heart. And Father, as we reflect again on your word, I want to stand up here this morning and give you thanks for our identity, our true ID in you. Thank you that so many of us are saints and we're chosen and we're adopted and we're members of your family. And we're forgiven and we're redeemed and all those things we've been thinking about during this series are true of us. And so in light of that, in light of who we are, God, I pray that you would help us to live the life. And so for our kids, I pray that you would help them to live the life of a disciple of Jesus as they obey and honor their parents. And for parents, may we live lives of discipleship as followers of Jesus as we instruct and as we admonish, as we do not provoke our kids to anger, but encourage them. Help us to see that as a key part of what it means to follow Jesus in our homes. And we ask all these things in his strong name. Amen. I will worship.